Yeah, I feel like they should have made her, given her like a Hallmark woman job, like baker, <laughs> marketing girl, or well, writer. And like, even in this book, we can't escape the fact that like one of them is a writer in the relationship because Elliot is a writer. He's writing dragon porn. Welcome to All My Friends Are English Majors, the podcast where I, a business major, make my friends, almost all English majors, read popular fiction with me. This month is Old Flame Month. We're reading romance books with the theme of Old Flame, which is a lot broader than last month's Hateful Coworker. Um, my guest this month is Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi. Not, I feel like not that much has changed in the last week. I'm still working six days a week. I'm becoming increasingly impatient, (laughs) like kind of shockingly so. Um, I had the plague, (laughs) and so now I am recovering, but it's left me with um, a sense of melancholy. So if Mm. I seem different (laughs) from last week, it's because I'm jaded. (laughs) Oh my god. (sighs) We should get into it. Um, the book that we read this week is called Love and Other Words. It's by Christina Lauren, who also wrote The Soulmate Equation and The Unhoneymooners. I read The Unhoneymooners, and I also read their newest book. I'm saying there because it's two, (laughs) two best friends who write together, which that's something we should talk about, Emma, is, like, whether or not we think that, like, one person wrote the present and one person wrote the past or if we think they worked together on all of it because I think that's like a fascinating aspect of writing with a partner yeah I agree did I even say their names it's the name of the author is Christina Lauren um and I'm gonna read the back of the book after a decade apart Childhood sweethearts reconnect by chance in New York Times bestselling author Christina Lauren's touching romantic novel, Love and Other Words. How many words will it take for them to figure out where it all went wrong? The story of the heart... <laughs> the story of the heart can never be unwritten. Macy Sorensen is settling into an ambitious, if emotionally tepid routine. Work hard as a new pediatrics resident. Plan her wedding to an older, financially secure man. Keep her head down and heart tucked away. But when she runs into Elliot Petropoulos, the first and only love of her life, the careful bubble she's constructed begins to dissolve. Once upon a time, Elliot was Macy's entire world, growing from her gangly, bookish friend into the man who coaxed her heart open again after the loss of her mother, only to break it on the very night he declared his love for her. Told in alternating timelines between then and now, teenage Elliot and Macy grow from friends to much more, spending weekends and lazy summers together in a house outside of San Francisco, devouring books, sharing favorite words, and talking through their growing pains and triumphs. As adults, they have become strangers to one another until their chance reunion. Although their memories are obscured by the agony of what happened that night so many years ago, Elliot will come to understand the truth behind Macy's decades-long silence and will have to overcome the past and himself to revive her faith in the possibility of an all-consuming love. I feel like that is a really good description of the book. Um, I think it's interesting that even in the back, on the back cover, they say that Elliot is her one and only love because she is engaged 
in the beginning of the book. And it is very obvious that she is not in love with her fiancé and vice versa. Yeah, I think that I'm too much of a romantic to understand the idea of, like, taking the easy relationship. Which is, like, kind of (laughs) what Macy is doing. So, do you want to summarize or do you want me to summarize? I would love to summarize because I have been describing the end of this book to, like, anyone who will listen because it's so crazy. Emma, I sobbed reading the end of this book (laughs) both times I I read it. I was just shocked. (laughs) I didn't even, like, consider crying. And I'm a crier. Like, I cry at almost every book. So, that was shocking. What does that say about (laughs) me? I I really don't know. I was kind of shocked that you said that. Um okay, but this book is about a girl. She her mom died when she was young, and so she's left with just her dad and the mom leaves him a list of all of these things that he needs to do to like raise a girl, and one of them is if she's ever sad, you need to take her to the weekend house that you have. And so they have like a house in what outside San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And there is a boy next door and he comes over. He, he's like her age. His name is Elliot. He's like, like to read and he's cute and tall and they read in her closet and they like become best friends and they're really close. And there's like tension building, but sh- because she lost her mom, she's afraid of losing anyone else. So she really like kind of keeps them at an arm's distance romantically, even though they're very compatible. And so because they go to different schools, he, like just naturally is talking to other girls like has relationships like he took another girl to prom and like that he like kissed another girl um her name is emma and there's like weird feelings about that but whatever that's like just growing up so then eventually they get together whenever they're 17 i think they meet when they're like 10 i want to say 13 13 13 And then they get together officially when they're 17 for, like, so briefly, like, five minutes, basically. And then she, so they're, like, officially boyfriend and girlfriend. She's at a New Year's party with her dad and his friends. And then he, Elliot, is at a party with his friends. And Elliot calls her extremely drunk and is like, I'm in love with you. Like, let's get married. And she's like, what? Like, you're being crazy you're drunk and he's like no i'm being serious come here and so she's like she brushes it off at first she's like no you're too drunk and but then she ends up like she hangs up and then she ends up driving there because she's like okay that like seemed kind of serious like he proposed to me so then he she gets to the house which it's like a i don't it's like an hour and a half long drive so it's like not down the street and she eventually gets there and all of his friends she's like okay where's elliot and all of her his friends are like oh don't worry about it like let's just hang out down here like come chill and she's like okay something's wrong goes upstairs elliot is passed out in the bed with his pants around his ankles and They say, like, his limp dick is out, and Emma is, like, laid across his chest naked, and she's like, oh my god. And so she, like, goes to her house and falls asleep on the cold floor, and it's, like, super traumatic. Then her dad comes the next morning and is like, let's get you out of here. 
Oh, but first Elliot explains like, yeah, I was so drunk. I was confused. I was on the phone with you. I said, come here. And then I thought you came. And like all of a sudden someone was going down on me and I just assumed it was you because I was confused. And like, that's the only thing that made sense. But it turns out it was Emma. And she's like, whatever, that's bullshit. Which like, well no they never have that conversation like that's the whole yeah emma it's the split timeline you did project because it's the split timeline sad about it and but they never speak again they don't speak for 10 years because he she sees him passed out she goes home does not call her dad to say she made it to this town safely so he comes to get her but they never speak they don't talk about it. She doesn't know. And he doesn't know why she was so upset. Because he wakes up alone. Oh. he Because he says that to yes. her in the end timeline. Is he woke up alone and he thought that he must have, like, done something so embarrassing and terrible at the party, but he didn't know what. And then, like, later he found out that it had been Emma and hadn't been um, Oh, you're Macy. so right. You're so right. Okay, so then she's in the car with her dad. He's, like, driving her back. He's so concerned about her. Like, she's never had a real boyfriend before. Like, this is her first male relationship, and she just got heartbroken. Like, she's known him forever and ever. It was her best friend first. And so he's, like, not focused on the road. He's looking at her. And then a car hits them. The car rolls, and the dad dies. So all at once, she has lost her mom, her dad, and her best friend and her boyfriend by like him cheating on her. So she's lost like every single close person in her life. And then she never, she doesn't speak to Elliot again for like 10 years. And then they see each other again when they're adults and they still have feelings for each other, but she's very guarded. That is what happens, but that is not the order that it happens in. We have like a (laughs) split timeline, this whole book. And so, like, the book starts with Macy seeing Elliot for the first time in a decade. And then we start flashing back, and we flash back to when they're 13. And then we go back to the present day where they're rebuilding their relationship. And then we flash back to when they're 14. But it all leads up to the last 30 pages of the book, like, finding out how Macy's dad died and finding out that, like, essentially Elliot caused it um it just like when you see it through that lens this book reads like a horror story like it is a train you can't stop the brakes are broken like eventually this truth has to come out and it creates such like a like it's very kind of tense like they're falling back in love but you're like um, where's the yeah. other shoe the whole time you're reading it? Which I feel like, I felt like they kind of concealed, like, they hit the lead for a while. Like, I did not expect that whole thing to be the ending. Like, I was very shocked that it was all his fault and, like, all of that. But am, was I wrong to perceive it that way? Like. Did you feel like there was tension building up and, like, it made sense that all of that transpired? Or was it as equally shocking to you on your first read? 
I think that you could tell there was tension building up because she keeps saying things to like herself. Like when he runs into for her the first time for the first time in a decade, the second question he asks her is like, how is Duncan? How is your dad? Because he literally didn't know that he died. Yeah. Um, but we don't know that he died as well. Or does she say? She doesn't say at the time, like, when he says that, like, oh, he's dead. Don't we does. find that out later? She does. She says oh, immediately, was... like, he died. But we don't find out how until those last, like, 30 pages. But the rest of the book is... Every time that she interacts with Elliot, when she's falling back in love with him, she's like, we are going to have to have this conversation. But she never says what this is. She's just like, oh, we're going to have to do this. And like, the this we find out is her telling Elliot about Duncan. I read this when I had my sick brain, and I'm seeing that I warped it a little bit. (laughs) So... That's okay. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Should we talk about the things we think are good in this book before we move into my um, things I kind of find kind (laughs) of iffy section? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I, uh, once again, Emily Henry is writing about grief. Um, Christina Lauren is writing about grief. Like, this book is about a girl who loses her mother and then turns 18 and loses her father. She, like, talks about how she, like, does not remember her entire second semester of senior year of high school. She, like, barely remembers first semester of freshman year of college. She... So, she goes to Elliot's brother's wedding when they are, like, coming back together a decade later. And they have, spoiler alert, have sex in the woods outside (laughs) the reception. And then she, like, has a panic attack because she is going to have to tell Elliot what happened. And Elliot, like, loses patience with her and, like, leaves. And then Macy ubers back to her old family home and has, like, a full fucking breakdown. She goes upstairs, she goes into her dad's closet, and, like, everything is the same. It smells like him. His shirts he left there are still in the closet. The only (coughs) picture he has in there is of, like, Macy and her mother. And it's, like, very, very fucking sad. Like, it just... She lost everything, and then she tried to tell Elliot why she lost everything, and he won't listen to her, and then she loses it. And it just, like, grief is sad. And, like, the idea of being totally alone in the world is really fucking sad. Yes, this is another book that is within the league of crying in H-Mart. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe we should just do a grief month. Jeez. I mean, we're already practically having grief month. Yeah, which is so up my alley. That's like my one of my favorite books to read about. Oh, in grief month, they should do um, you should do Little Weirds by Jenny Slate. She writes about like imagining her future husband and then like him dying, and she writes like a (laughs) like a letter to her dead husband. Oh, I cried. (laughs) 
Oh, I do think about what would happen if I died all the time. Is that morbid? No, I was thinking this week about, like, would I be a good dead wife? Like, you know, in movies. Oh, um, where they're like, go out and find new love. Yeah, or, like, they do the montage in movies of, like, remembering the dead wife, and then she's, like, laughing under the blankets, and there's, like, sunlight falling on her face, and it's like, could I, like, would I be good in that role? Like, do I see myself in it? In some ways, yes, some ways, no. (laughs) I don't know. I think loving people is loving people when they are good and when they are bad, and, like, there are, like, there are things that, like, you cannot like about your partner and find endearing. Like, they aren't mutually exclusive. That is true. <laughs> I'm thinking more of, like, in an aesthetic sense oh of, like, a God. movie montage of, like, is my laugh, like, mar- not marketable, but, like, suitable for oh, that I kind really, of thing? I really cackle. So, yeah. like, I'm really a snorter. Yeah. So I don't think I'd do good in the montage. And, like, do I look cute whenever I'm sleeping? Like, I feel like that's a big factor. Mm. I Does anyone really look cute when they're sleeping? I drool every yeah. time I nap. There's no looking oh, cute I when I'm cute. napping. Mouth open for a nap. <laughs> yeah, I snore a little bit. But I've been told that I smile a little bit whenever I'm sleeping. Oh, that's cute. Right? Okay. I'm just a little happy. Other things that I think are very good in this book are, if we're still talking about the grief, I think that the authors did a really good job of, like, respecting that trauma, like, exists. Like, a lot of times in romance books, women will experience, like, really extreme trauma, and I think it's fair to say that, like, what Macy experienced was trauma, and then love fixes it? And they, like, no longer have trauma, or if they do, it's, like, not that bad because they're in love. And I'm glad that, like, Macy and Elliot finally get back together, and then Macy cannot speak of her father's death. And then, like, Elliot, like, one, I think Elliot is a little hungover after the wedding when he, like, comes to have the, like, final confrontation, like, get back together with Macy sort of thing at the old family home. but like. He finds out how Duncan dies and what Macy thought happened, and he hurls. Like, he, like, needs a minute. And, like, that is right. Like, a lot of things in this book, I was really struck by just, like, the rightness of it. Like, the trueness of the characters. Like, you never... There's only a couple of things that had me, like, really shaking my head a little bit. Yeah. Like, him experiencing that weight of grief and, like, how heavy that is, like, it did seem right that it would it would just make you throw up. Like, that would also be my reaction. And I like how she, like, throughout the book, you don't necessarily understand why, but she keeps, like, a, a distance between her and him. Like, at least in the, like, well... Whenever she's younger, she keeps a distance from him because she experienced the loss of her mother and she is afraid to get emotionally close to someone and then experience that again, um, like in a, like a romantic loss because she knows how that feels. But then in her adulthood, she like 
is really experiencing like the trepidation of getting close to him again and that trauma is like weighing on her and it's like kind of always being brought up and like then she's being reminded of her father and that really rung true to me as well other things that i like and think that rang true was the teen friendship and i also think that like I like that they tried to touch on the fact that, like, they were very different people than they were when they were teens. Like, they really tried to make it clear that, like, they might be very different people and they're missing all these facts about each other's lives and they weren't just going to, like, fall back into it. But when it comes down to it, they do. Like, they just, like, are the person for each other. And that, to me, was kind of... That, to me, was kind of iffy. Like, the person you are at 18 is so fucking different than the person you are as a 28-year-old. There's so much that changes. It's also, like, I don't know. Like, why even pretend that you're, like, worried about not knowing about enough about people if, like, they're just immediately going to be, like... I don't know, it almost seemed like they were, like, each other's homes, like, almost physically. Like, it was just like, oh, like, I want to be close to Elliot, and Elliot wants to be close to me, that is how we're happiest. Yeah. But there's, like, a whole decade of space in there, and it just felt a little, like, too perfect romance booky for that to just, like, be immediately true. I don't know. Like, I guess I am less removed from being 18 than you are, but I do feel like I've changed a lot, but I feel like there's still a core essence of me that, like, has carried on throughout my entire life, and I think that that's what she's returning to with him. Like, yes, he has changed, but there's that sense of familiarity because, like, he is who he is, and like, you're always going to exude that, especially whenever you know someone that well. And, like, they knew each other in such formative years, too. So she knows, like, the foundation of him. So that's why it seemed more believable to me that they could just fall back into it, even though it's been so long. I guess maybe I was looking at it in the wrong way. I often think, especially because I work with a lot of teenagers at work, that, like, I, as a 25-year-old woman, like, cannot find it very much relatable in a teenager at all. So I think it would be, I guess, maybe I would feel differently if I, I get, mm, hmm, what am I trying to say? I mean, I guess maybe part of the reason that I am having a hard time relating to it is that I did not go on my first date until I was, like, 20. And so, (laughs) like, maybe I'm just, like, teen romance, never heard of her. (laughs) Yeah. No, I had a very intense relationship when I was 17, 18. And this kind of, like, really rang true to me. And, like, we were, like, kind of still on good terms-ish. And I feel like... Because he knew me whenever I was younger, like, he understands me in a fundamental way. And so I, it just, like, all made sense to me. But it makes sense that you have a different perspective because you didn't experience, like, a teen romance. 
No. I did have so many crushes when I was a teenager, though. <laughs> Me too. Oh my god. I... I'm such a crush girl. I needed, I needed a crush every single year. Like, I remember seventh grade, I could not find a crush. And that was my worst year of school ever. <laughs> I picked a guy who was cute at my church who left my church and didn't go to my middle school. That way I could just tell people I had a crush on him. But, like, I never really had to, like, deal with any sort of, like, gossip or aftermath or anything like that. I was just like, oh, yeah, him. He also was very cute, and I did have a crush on him, but it was also, like, partially so I could... It was it was mitigation. That's crazy. I was, like, emotionally invested. Because I think I used crushes as a form, a function of, like, getting through the day and, like, pushing through like mundanity and so I would use them as like something to look forward to so they needed to be in my school I needed to pass them in the hallway and get that like jolt of excitement of seeing them so I could not like a church crush was really not viable for me because every Sunday was not enough you know like I need to be excited to go to school and I need to like put on a cute outfit for them and stuff like oh I unfortunately was a huge (laughs) nerd so I was just excited to go to school Okay. Well, good for you. <laughs> yeah, I love to That's be built. Really I love to be built different like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm obsessed with the idea of a crush now. Like I, the reason that Sam and I are together is because I had a crush on him at summer league, and like acted on it, which like, oh my god, girl boss behavior. But <laughs> like, I will Wait, always, same. I will always be like. Sam, did you have a crush on me when we were on the same summer league team? And he was like, um, no, because you told me you didn't want to date me in 2020, so I figured the ball was in your, like, your your court. And I was like, oh, you could just say yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you told him you didn't want to date in 2020? Oh my god, do you not know about this? Sam and I went on, like, five dates at the end of 2020, and both of us should not have been dating at the time, and we ended up, like, really not working out, and then someone (laughs) drafted us to the same summer league team, and the rest is history. That's really cute. Yeah. Turns out both of us just needed to, like, spend time with other people and not just be so isolated besides, like, seeing... In my case, I was seeing my parents and my roommate a lot, but Sam was just, like, by himself. Aww. Yeah. So, if you'll believe it, we were both not doing great. (laughs) Okay. Do you want to talk about your last good thing about the book, and then we'll talk about other things that are eefy? Yes. Okay. One of my favorite parts about this book, and I feel like this is not super common in the couple books romance books that i have read please correct me if i'm wrong but i loved how guiltless this book is like as i previously said like she is not in love with her fiance he is obviously a dud no one likes him he they've only known each other for like five months they got engaged after knowing each other for two months and then she moved in with him, but she, and she already has two other houses that she could be living in. So it's very seamless to get out of the relationship for the most part. He does have a kid. So she's like, Oh, like, will the kid be okay? But it's like, 
totally fine. Like, the kid does not even care about her. Like, doesn't see her as a mom figure at all. Like, does her own thing. So, it's kind of, like, it's like she's realizing her feelings for Elliot. And then you're like, oh my god, and this is perfect. And she can just, like, break it off with Sean and no one's going to care at all. And she can get with Elliot. Because sometimes there's a sense of dread whenever, like, the protagonist is in a relationship and it's going well. But, like, the love interest just has a stronger, like, she has a stronger feeling for the love interest. And you're like, oh my god, this is going to be a messy breakup and it's going to be heartbreaking. And, like, I'm dreading that part. And then her, like, on the mend from that. But there was none of that. So that was one of my favorite parts of the books. The book. <laughs> yeah, I also liked that. I I think that it's kind of baller of her to, like, be in a relationship of convenience. Like, she just, like, is like, right, so I can't drive because my dad died in a car crash. And the bus is, like, an hour and a half from the house that I own. So you'd let me just, like, move in? And he's like, yeah, sure. And then... She just, like, lives with him for seven months and can, like, walk to the hospital and doesn't have to deal with taking the bus or anything. And, like, okay. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I think it would kind of stress me out, but. Yeah. But I guess whenever you're, like, recovering from trauma like that, like, you've lost both of your parents, you're like, let me just get through life. Like, let me make it through the day. So if I need someone, like, let's let it be convenient. Like, I totally understand that, even though I am someone who needs, like, such emotional depth in a relationship that it's, like, almost psycho. Well, and the other thing is, they're always... I'm thinking about this right now. They're always mentioning how many student loans she has, but, like, she owns two houses in San Francisco. (laughs) Yeah. Like, girl, sell one. (laughs) Sell one, and then you will have enough money to pay off your student loans. Which she does talk about, like, oh, I could sell the... Where, what's the town called? Her, like, childhood weekend home. Mm-hmm. But then she has to clean out all of her parents' stuff. Like, her dad's closet, where everything is pristine and exactly how he left it. And she's like, I can't do that. That's too painful. So I understand why she doesn't want to sell that. But, like, if your student loans are a beast, like, ah, get after it. <laughs> well, and I don't know if medical school loans get frozen while you're a resident. Because, like, residents don't get paid, I don't think. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I've watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy, and I just don't know how they're making money at all. (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. Let's get into the things that are kind of iffy. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so Elliot and Emma sleep together, or she blows him I don't know if they sleep together. And Elliot, like, doesn't know who she is. He barely knows who he is. But, like, (laughs) he also had been pretty clear that he, like, did not want to be with Emma and, like, was not interested in her. And here's my question. And they just kind of skate over it. Was Elliot sexually assaulted? I think definitely yes. I think so, too. And so that's why the, like, the line about, like, 
he was talking about my limp dick was out on my leg and I was like oh my god like that's such a visceral memory for him because it's like burned into his brain from like it was traumatic but I feel like they don't talk about it in that explicit of terms and I feel like that's an interesting conversation to have because like people don't really talk about like men being sexually assaulted in the same way well, and they also, like, part of the reason they make it so gray area is it's because they have to make what he did forgivable. Yeah. Like, they have to be like, <laughs> like oh, he well, no he didn't actually cheat all. on her. He, like, thought it was you. But, like, I don't know. He definitely, he, like, definitely got sexually assaulted. Yeah, which I don't agree with having sex with anyone when they're at that state. Like, if I am sober, like, I'm not going to have sex with anyone who is, like, even remotely drunk. Because they are vulnerable. It is a deeply bad power dynamic. Like, would not recommend. It is just not good. Him not even having, like, the ability to recognize faces. And then you're doing that to him, like... Yeah, evil. it was just, like, not good. Well, and, like, oh, here's another way that they, like, wrote the trauma really well, is I don't remember, like, when they got in this fight. I don't know if it was Thanksgiving or if it was, like, after the wedding <sighs> when he was, like, yelling at her because she couldn't manage to, like, explain to him what happened to her dad, that he, like, had a panic attack and started crying when a when he was, like, having a sexual encounter with a girl in college who, like, tried to go down on him, and he, like, full-on freaked out on her and was, like, sobbing while trying to explain to this girl that she could not give him head. Like. (laughs) Yeah. He's traumatized! And, like, not just traumatized because she freaked out and disappeared from his life. Like. Yeah. Like, he was sexually assaulted! And his friends didn't protect him at all. They were like, oh yeah, they they mess around sometimes. Like, it's no big deal. And, like, the authors definitely tried to make... Oh my god, Emma, I just rolled the bottom of my shirt down a little bit, and there is, like, a full, like, three rolled layers just filled with potting mix. Oh my god! fucking a um well i'll leave that rolled up so that i don't get dirt all over my chair (laughs) yeah they definitely try to make it seem like his friend is like deeply untrustworthy but i don't know shit is fucked dude like that really i think the rest of the like really traumatic experiences are written pretty well and this one I think they made kind of messy in a way that I was like, could you not figure out how to get out of the plot maze you built for yourself? Yeah. I mean, okay, what would you do in this situation? Like, your boyfriend is found in this compromising situation. How would you react? Would you believe the story of, like, oh, I thought it was you? I mean, if he told me that the next morning... And my dad doesn't die. Like, maybe there's a conversation to be had. But, like, 
I guess it makes sense for that to be a conversation, like, a decade later for it to be something to really talk about. But, like, I don't know. I... Everything about it felt bad. Like, like, very horror movie, don't go in the closet. Like, as she is driving out to... I know this town ends in Berg. <laughs> what the fuck is this town called? Is it no, like... It's no good when it ends with Berg. Is it like Heldsburg? I did not know how to pronounce it in my head. It's it's spelled H-E-A-L-D-S-B-U? Yeah, I think so. So maybe Heldsburg? Heldsburg? Or something like that. Like, the whole time she's driving there, you you know something is wrong. I just... Yeah. He also, like, a decade later, tells her that he meant what he said on the phone that night, and that he, like, had a ring. Yeah. And was, like, so going to propose. That's why it was so crazy whenever she gets to the house and then he's, like, naked... I think that is helpful for his case. Yeah, that he had a ring, that he called her, that he told her he missed her. Here's the thing, though. And I, as a former long-distance girly, can speak on this. Like, I don't know. Remember the time that I got really drunk in college and then I, like... It was at that party where the polar vortex was going on and my shoes were by the front door and I... Like, Blake was not in town visiting Kirksville, and I, like, called him to say goodnight, and I fell asleep in the closet, and everyone was yes. like, where are you? We can't find you. And I, like, through a Herculean effort, got out of the closet to make sure they <laughs> knew I was okay. Like, when you miss your partner, like, when you, like, so desperately like, wish that you were talking to the person who, like, should be there, like, you're not gonna go fuck around with another girl. Like, I would be a lot more worried about Elliot, like, wandering off into the woods trying to find <laughs> Macy, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yes. Like, I went to Sean's wedding last year, and I did not drink at it, even though it was there was an open bar, Mostly because I knew that Sam wasn't there and I would spend, like, half the wedding, like, outside the venue trying to call Sam to tell him I missed him because I'm a fucking nightmare. Like, I mean, yeah. So, all that to say, like, maybe that's what doesn't really sit true to me is, like, I can't picture, like, calling my girlfriend, telling her I love her for the first time, trying to propose, and then, like, getting so shit-faced that I, like, I don't want to say that I sleep with another girl because I think we both just agree that he got sexually assaulted, but, like, something about the timeline of the party doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, because she, I don't know how far away she is. Like, I don't understand her hometown versus this, like, vacation town, but I think it's, like, an hour and a half, two hours. So, and he made it seem like, yeah, I was on the phone. It was all a blur. I was on the phone with you. I hung up. Then, soon You after, were there blowing me. Yes. And 
I guess because he was so drunk, like, he didn't have a great, like, sense of time, and it all, like, kind of melts together, but, like, Jesus Christ, at that point, he's, like, like, almost blacked out drunk, like, yeah, I, I don't know, don't like, like it. dangerous drunk. Well, and also, with everything we know about the Petropoulos parents... It's kind of shocking that they would let him go to a party like that. Like, it kind of... What do you mean? I don't know. They... I know they're... Did they seem... Like, did they seem strict? Because I felt like her... Macy's dad seemed more strict than the other family. I mean, they didn't seem... They were, like, eating dinner together and stuff. They didn't seem helicopter-y, but they also seemed, like, the type to be, like, if you need a ride home, you can call me anytime. It also seemed like Elliot's older brothers would make, like, stupid choice. I I guess it didn't sit right with me that, like, Elliot is the youngest son, and, like, his... He did not receive, like, some (sighs) sort of don't-be-an-idiot counseling from, like, his parents, or his older brothers. Well, I, they I also... think that things just happen. Like, I was kind of stupid in college sometimes. Like, I would drink so much my freshman and sophomore year of college, like, for no reason. And I knew, like, I knew better, but it's just, like, it's fun, and you're young, and, like, you don't have a very big tolerance for alcohol. So, like, things just happen regardless of if you've had a talk about that or not. I don't know. I guess, like, yeah, you do stupid stuff when you're young, but also, I don't know, maybe we don't understand what it's like to be in this small of a town. Yeah, and I think he was crossed, because when she talks to his friends at the party, she's like, where's Elliot? And one guy is like, I don't know, I'm so fucking high. And, like, there's bongs all over the place. So, if... I think that if he was that drunk and also high, like, you don't know what's going on. Like, that is so believable to me. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Okay. This, maybe we'll change up the order a little bit. We'll, maybe we'll too many hands it so we can talk about the Mm -hmm. second iffy point, and then we can talk about the perfect man. Sure. Okay. So we're moving into too many hands. Let's talk about the, do you want to talk about the good parts about the sex or the weird parts about the sex first? Um, let's talk about the weird parts first, just to get out of the way so then we don't sound gross. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I want to first of all say that I think the author is doing a really good job of, like, encapsulating teen lust. But also, I personally thought it was weird that, like, as grown-ups, they only fuck once. But as teenagers, they, like, talk, like, pretty explicitly about sex to each other. And also, like, we as readers, like, read about them as teens, like, experiencing a lot of first sexual experiences (coughs) together, like, pretty explicitly. Yeah. Like, at one point, they're grinding, and then he, like, comes in his pants and gets up and leaves, like, goes home, and she doesn't know what happens, and then he comes back, and he, like, 
doesn't straightforwardly say what happens, but he's like, take a guess. <laughs> well, and she's like almost in tears because she's like, oh my god, I hurt him. Or I freaked him <laughs> out because I was horny. And he's like, oh, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> like, no, you didn't hurt me. I don't know. I thought that her insecurity and her fear and, like, her confusion about her own body was, like, really relatable. Like, whoever, whichever, Christina or Lauren, whichever one wrote (laughs) the, like, the teen sections, I thought did a really excellent job. But also... I don't really want to read about two 17-year-olds having their first time. Like, I just thought, maybe I would feel less weird about it if there was, like, an equal amount of grown-up sex. But it was, like, I felt, like, strange to me that, like, 85% of the sex in this book was about teenagers. And, like, 15% about it was, like, about adults having sex. That, I didn't love that. The adult sex is very self-contained. Like, it is just one scene and that is it. But, like, the teen part is sprawling. Like, they'll just be reading in the closet and, like, talking about, what's your favorite word? And then it's like, I just came. (laughs) Well, and she is like, oh my god, this 16-year-old girl is staring at Elliot's crotch all the time. Yes. All the time. He has, like, button-up Levi's. Like, he has, like, a pair of jeans with a button fly. And she is, like, thinking about what's behind the buttons. Like, that's the phrase. Like, like every chapter from when she's (laughs) 16 until they have sex for the first time. And she'll be like, what do you think about when you masturbate? Like, I think she asked him this twice. And he's like, you know, like, girl parts. (laughs) Parts that I don't have. And just girls in general. It's like, oh, this is horny, horny. (laughs) And then the second time she asks, he's basically like, uh, you? Yeah. Like, what's that question for? (laughs) But also I will say, I don't think they're trying to make you feel horny. Like, it's like, like... I don't know if there's such a thing as, like, innocent lust, but, like... Yes. I think... I don't... uh, I don't want to use the word childlike. I don't want to use it. (laughs) Don't use it. (laughs) I don't want to use it either. I... Youthful. What'd you say? Youthful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the way that they're describing it is very... Once again, I think true to life, but also I was like, we don't have to be this true to life. (laughs) Like, they can be lusty and then we can just, we can, and you can just, like, go to the next page and it's not two 17-year-olds having sex. It can be just back to the grown-up part of the story again. But the realest thing is... They, they always hang out in her closet, and they have sex for the first time in her closet, but they have to keep the door open because her dad is, like, like that's his rule. And that really rung true to me because my household was a, you cannot be in a room alone with a closed door. 
Like even whenever I lived, I had just moved out of my parents' house in December. So like whenever I was 22, um, whenever I was 22 years old, I could not be in my room alone with my boyfriend with the door closed. Like, even if you were just gossiping. Yeah, we would just be watching Survivor. <laughs> um, okay, Emma, the sex in this book when they're grown ups rocks. Yeah. <laughs> they. I'm three for three on all the adult sex scenes in all of these books from the month, this month. But I think I'm easy to please, I'll be honest. <laughs> I. I like all of these sex scenes. I think the sex scene in this one is, like, objectively a little bit humorous because they, like, go for a walk during the wedding reception and then are just, like, overcome by lust in the woods. And I have spoken on how I will not have, be having sex outdoors. I think perhaps it could be said at length. I have spoken about how <laughs> I will not be having sex outdoors on this podcast. But, like... You are gonna go have, like, outdoor sex. They're, like, on the ground. He's not, like, holding her up. So he's, she has, like, grass stains all over the back of her dress. <laughs> and, like, twigs in her hair. And then they come back inside. Everyone thinks they're back together. And then Elliot proceeds to get, like, rip-roaring drunk while she leaves. Like, part of the reason the sex in this this book is fun when they're grown-ups is because it is, like, so batshit that they do that and then they go back inside to a family wedding. Yeah. Which I love that setup. Like, I need to be that out-of-pocket at my own sibling's wedding. <laughs> Emma! <laughs> I have one left. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, I... I will never be that out of pocket at a single person's <laughs> wedding ever. My family like, is so extremely Christian, so I I don't know how I'll feel at the time. Like, maybe I'll be into, like, how high stakes it is. But I'm a very, like, I don't like risks. I'm a low-risk person, so I'll probably get really scared. Which, that's, like, not my dream anyway, to, like, have sex at my sister's wedding. But I I just liked it. Like, it was funny to me. It it's so funny. <laughs> like it is so funny. <laughs> and like and it's memorable and I think that's what like contributes to it. Like I think that, that I would get really into that of like oh the atmosphere of it all. That's what's appealing to me. Yeah, it definitely like is romantic. How can I make this wedding about me? <laughs> <laughs> Well, she did kind of make the wedding about her, because it's the first time she's seen the entire Petropoulos family, like, since her dad died. Like, they just, like, disappeared. Yeah. It was sad how she hadn't seen his little sister since she was three. Uh, her name's Alex, and she comes up and she's like, do you remember me? That was yeah. sweet to me. Well, and you and I will never understand what it's like to be an only child. So, like, yeah. I think we're always going to look at, like, plots in books where people, like, have a found family where they are the only person who isn't related to the rest of them. Like, that's something that, like, you and I aren't really going to experience. But, True. like, I think that it makes it to you. Oh, I'm yawning. 
I think that it makes it seem like so much warmer and more palatable, partly not more palatable. Like, it just makes it seem like a very cozy situation to, like, get to see someone whose family, like, was a home to you, like, grow up and change and that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, do we want to talk about the perfect man? Do we want to talk about Elliot? Yes, sure. I will say he was not my type. Like, I was not as into him as I was the previous two men. Because I, like, with the previous two men, like, I could see it. Like, I could see a future with them. <laughs> and I was, I was in it. Like, that was my boyfriend. But with Elliot, it's like, that's her man. Like, I see it. I understand it. But, like, eh. Elliot is definitely her man. I also... I think that we don't get to meet grown-up Elliot, like, barely at all. Ooh. Like, like... That's interesting. Like, we learn so much about young Elliot. And then grown-up Elliot basically is just like, I broke up with my girlfriend for you, I'm in this 100%, I want you to trust me, why don't you trust me? But he doesn't, like, tell... We don't, like, know that much about him. Yeah, I forgot about that. So he sees Macy for the first time in 10 years. He goes home, breaks up with his girlfriend of five years, comes back and is like, yeah, like I broke up with her, but like no pressure or anything. I just realized that I didn't like her as much as I thought because I saw you, which that came off very intense to me. That's kind of on the same level as like, I got a vasectomy, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) It is... I think that him and his girlfriend were friends for four years and then dated for one year after that. So I don't think it was a five-year relationship, but it was probably, like, a five-year long game from her to be like, no, Elliot is worth investing in. Like, I don't know. It He is super intense, but we never, like, like, I don't know if we're supposed to just, I don't know. Emma, when's the last time you talked to a 16-year-old boy? Um... That's such a good question. I think it's been quite a long time. (laughs) I just, this is the part that, like, maybe to me feels weird and why I felt like it didn't quite make sense for them to just, like, immediately fall back together is, like, every memory that she has of Elliot is of him as, like, a 17-year-old. And 17-year-olds are so fucking stupid. Yeah. So, like, I guess that's what's confusing to me is, like, that is a childhood relationship. Like, you as a 28-year-old man are going to break up with a woman you, by the way, knew for the same amount of time as Macy. Because Macy and him have not spoken in a decade. And, like, I don't know. It just feels weird. Yeah. It's it's very weird to compare those two relationships, like this relationship you had when you were 17 versus a relationship you have with a fully adult woman who is like, has a full personality and like, knows herself. Well, like, okay. you are a full adult man! Like... Yeah. There was a, there's a woman at work, she's a supervisor, and she was telling me about how she got married when she was really young, like 21, 20... Um, and then she ended up getting divorced, uh, like 26 through 30 range. And she was like, we just learned who we were and like, we grew apart. 
like the people we grew into were not compatible and we realized we just didn't like each other and like i feel like that should have been some of somewhat of a consideration of like what if you talk to macy for a little bit longer and then you realize that you don't share the same interests and like goals and wants in life because that could very well happen well, and I don't know if we have to call it just a crush. I think it, like, probably was a genuine relationship. As much as neither of us wants to believe it, there are people who fall in love at 18 and, like, stay together forever. <laughs> but also, yeah. like, I don't know. Maybe the other thing that's weird is that she's a resident at a hospital, that she, like, is a doctor. Like... Why'd she become a doctor? Does she ever say why she wanted to be a doctor? No. And she, like, can't get off weekends and stuff. It's kind of a pesky detail. Like, she, it doesn't seem like she has a passion to be a doctor or anything. And it kind of makes her life miserable. She's like, oh, I have to wake up early all the time and be there all day. And I never get to go outside. And I, like, have a schedule, a set schedule for, like, years out in advance and I only have like Christmas off or whatever. Well and she's also like she is often talking about how she works in pediatrics and it makes other people think that like something is broken in her brain because she like can work in pediatric oncology which must mean that she doesn't have some sort of like maternal instinct or ability to like be empathetic or you know so like why are we getting all this information about her job but we don't know why she picked it yeah i feel like they should have made her given her like a hallmark woman job like baker (laughs) marketing girl or writer and like even in this book we can't escape the fact that like one of them is a writer in the relationship because elliot is a writer he's writing dragon porn oh yeah wait that's not his job though he he's doing that part time, and he's like working for a nonprofit part time, which like I totally miss that. They make it seem like this man has unlimited free time. It's so crazy. He kind of does. It's very strange. Imagine just he's like, the unemployed friend at three p.m. <laughs> oh my god! I was just thinking about how my days off are going to be Wednesday, Thursday all summer. And I am really excited all my friends are teachers because it means I can ask them to help me move and they'll probably be available. (laughs) I guess so. I don't know. When do teachers get off? Like, school ends at 2.15, right? Do they leave at 2.15? A lot of of friends are subs. I'm moving in July. Oh, that's so right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Is that all we have to say about Elliot? Yeah, basically. He's a really intense dude. He's so intense. And he gets off on dragons. That's part of his fantasy. Okay, well, like... Oh, God, that's really dangerous of me to start a sentence that way. (laughs) I'm really... I'm fascinated to know what kind of dragon porn he's reading. Just, like, as a nosy person... Like, I want to know if he's, like, like, can the dragons shapeshift? Is he, like, reading stuff that's, like, that's, like, bestiality? Like, I'm fascinated to know what Elliot searches for in the AO3 tags. 
Yeah. I think whenever I was reading the book, I was thinking about it in a Game of Thrones kind of thing of like, probably just dragons are around and that kind of creates a sense of danger that he's into. But it could be like a Shrek situation of like, (laughs) maybe he's into like, didn't Donkey and the dragon like, oh, yeah, they did it. Maybe that's what he's writing about on AO3. Oh my god. <laughs> Shrek oh fanfic. My god. Nah, he seems like an Aragon fanfic guy. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> okay, Emma, would you, was this book good? Did it make you feel good? Would you buy it? Um, I did like this book. The other books took me quite a long time to read, and I read this one in two days. I would not buy it. Absolutely not. But... I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, definitely. Did yeah. it make me feel good? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> there was a lot of sad stuff. There's so much sad stuff. Like, shockingly so. But all the old flame books have been, like, weirdly sad. Yeah. But I guess, in comparison to, like, Hateful Coworker books, like, Old flame books have to have a reason that they're an old flame. Yes. Like, that that they aren't already the flame. There needs to be a profound memory and, like, a sense of nostalgia that they come back to. And, like, having something in the past is, like, kind of inherently sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Emily Henry's like, let's kill some people. And then she does it. <laughs> That bitch is crazy. I love her. Emily Henry Universe. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, we've never talked about how there are, she like puts in little details in all of her books from other books. Like Alex in People We Meet on Vacation was reading an Augustus Everett book on vacation. That's so cute to me. That is so cute. Yeah. And then in Happy Place, one of the partners of one of the main characters, like, went to college with Augustus and... What's her name? Um... Oh my god. Had emptied... <laughs> emptied out! Okay, ah! um, I think this book is good. I think generally this book made me feel not good, but in a good way. Like... Well put. <laughs> Thank you. I really am feeling like a wordsmith right now. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I think any book that can invoke, like, actual real emotion in me is a good book. Yeah. And, like... Miss Girl cried from this book. <laughs> I did cry from this book. I also was reading it at, like, 6.30 in the morning, though, just to finish it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really putting in the work for the pod, guys. Um, So I think that might have been part of it, too. I am often having morning tears, which is just I wake up and then my eyes water for, like, a full two minutes. Mm. Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, I would consider owning this book. I'd actually consider owning any of the books that we read this month. They were pretty good. You chose some winners. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Okay, that's all we have. 
Follow us on Instagram at English Majors Pod. Send us an email at EnglishMajorsPod at gmail.com. Uh, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Rate us on Spotify. And yeah, I think that's it. Thank you to Bailey for running the social media. As you can tell, I'm way too sleepy to do something like that. <laughs> um, and thanks for coming on. Next week we'll do comparison contrast, which will be fun. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye.